Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for downloading the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This show is a proud part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, so if farm and agricultural podcasts and vlogs and blogs are your thing, head over to farmruralag.com and check out some other great ones over there. Well, what do you know about aquaculture? If uh, you're asking me, it's the answer is not very much at all. Uh, but I do think there's a compelling case to make that it will be a growing and prevalent part of the future of agriculture. So I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that in 120 episodes, this will be the first aquaculture-based episode we've had. So uh, maybe better late than never when it comes to aquaculture on this show. But I am very excited to have Tony Chen who is one of the co-founders of Manolin. Uh, now, Manolin is a data analytics platform that serves, uh, serves the aquaculture industry. Primarily so far, they've focused on uh, salmon producers, but they have plans to go far beyond that as well. Uh, Tony and his co-founder, John Constantino, uh, founded the company. Tony's from the U.S., but they have joined the newly created Hatch Accelerator, which is an all-aquaculture accelerator. In fact, I caught Tony in the airport in Chicago on his way to Norway in one of his many trips. And so I really enjoyed this chat with Tony. Among many things they've done over in Norway, uh, Tony and John have camped out around the country to gather customer feedback, and he's got a pretty neat story to tell about that. I think you'll enjoy this, and I and I do want to do more on aquaculture. So if you have a good idea for it, another aquaculture story in the future, uh, hit me up on that. But here is my interview with Tony Chen, co-founder of Man. <music> Very pleased to have on the show Tony Chen, who is a co-founder of Manolin, uh, a new startup in the aquaculture space. Um, Tony, uh, to start off here, I, I noticed that you have a degree in computer science from MIT. So maybe you could start by answering the question, why aquaculture? Yeah, I think our, special, our, our journey from MIT to aquaculture is a little bit special, and it centers around the, the, the Chesapeake Bay. Um, and discovering oyster farms for me. Um, so my fiance and I took a trip to a bed and breakfast, and it was the first time that I got introduced to what oyster farming really was. I've always enjoyed eating them as a kid, um, and I've always wanted to learn more about it, but it was that one trip down to the beach that we noticed that these farmers, um, they were raising oysters in cages off of docks. I had no idea what an oyster reef looked like in the past. I had no idea how quickly they would grow and really got a lot of information. Um, and that's really how it started. And the passion for aquaculture was taking a trip, visiting some farmers and seeing some of their challenges when it came to growing crops. And at that time, what, what were you doing? What, what was your profession? Yeah, so I was a digital consultant for the, the U.S. government. Um, I was building digital and analytical systems for various agencies centered around health and transportation primarily. Okay. And I think a lot of people kind of see something like that, like oyster farming, like, oh, that's cool. I never knew it was like that. That's interesting. You know, they don't go and, and commit their, their careers to it. So what, what, <laughs> what, got you, what got you to that point? Yeah, I, I think, you know, that was, I've always had a passion for the oceans and, you know, just 
a love of food really got me into more food systems. Um, aquaculture, I quickly recognized, was one of the larger problems when you think globally about the food production system problems that are happening. Um, a need for sustainable protein, a need to save the oceans. Um, I quickly recognized that there was a huge intersection here and that there was a big problem to be solved. Excellent. And, and you're solving that problem um, with your team at Manolin. So maybe just at a really high level, um, a general overview, you can just give us the, the pitch on what is Manolin. Absolutely. So what we're doing is we're providing health analytics for aquaculture farms. Um, and the larger picture is we're trying to really become the one company that really understands the oceans from a technology and data point of view. We're helping farmers optimize yields. We're helping them understand what's happening in the water. And we think this will grow into helping entire food systems produce, produce food more efficiently. Um, the way that we're thinking about doing that is, one, let's provide farmers with the right information at the right time. So we're talking about data-driven insights to help them optimize productions. Um, but we believe that this data is going to be even more useful when you think about stabilizing an industry like aquaculture that doesn't have loans, that doesn't have insurance, Many of the farmers, when we think globally, can't invest in the future. They can't invest in new technologies or new funding arms to scale their businesses because it's too unpredictable. Health is the most important thing when it comes to aquaculture. Globally, farms lose about 30% of their yield every year to unexpected illnesses or issues. Um, and that's something that we believe we can change with the power of technology. Very, very cool. Maybe you could, uh, if, if you don't mind, sort of bridge, bridge that gap for us a little bit between um, health, uh, aquaculture health, and data. Like, you know, how do the two, how does data help with health? Yeah, so, so bridging the gap between data and health, um, I, I think it's, it actually ends up being a little more simple than, than, you know, us as computer scientists really want to think about it. Really, I think what we're trying to do is take what's in a farmer's gut and trying to explain that through data and, and, and computers. Um, when you talk to farmers, what they're able to do is look at a fish, look right out onto the water and know exactly what's happening. And they've built this up over many, many decades of experience. Yeah, so what we're really trying to do is, is be able to tell the story of what a farmer understands intuitively. They've built up decades of experience looking at the water, watching the fish and their behavior. And all we're trying to do is to digitalize a lot of this information so that it can be something that groups and teams can discuss um, from a cohesive point of view. And, and does that manifest itself in sort of like, uh, you know, a farmer's gut can, can like see something and react to it, but does the data allow teams to react faster? Is that what kind of can, can um, you know, I, I'm sure the hope here is that we decrease that 30% loss due to, due to health issues. Um, if it's kind of digitizing the farmer's gut, you know, how's it helping? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, it, it's, I think it, one, helps them do more faster and helps teams to react a little bit quicker, but there's also an additional wealth of information. Um, so one of the key examples that we have is when you're dealing with health issues in the ocean, these parasites, diseases, they can spread extremely quickly with the water currents. Knowing what's happening at a nearby farm is just as important as what's happening at your specific farm. In the past, farmers really only could see what's in front of them and they can only take care of their fish. But with the power of technology and data, we could start helping farmers see further out what's happening in their area, what's happening downstream. So they could not only get more information quicker, but make these decisions even faster. And my specific example is when it deals with the, the, the 
customer segment that we're dealing with right now is salmon farmers. And sea lice is the biggest issue. It's a parasite that attaches onto fish and it spreads within the water column through currents. Um, and their one issue, they report a lot of this information to the government. They report how many lice they have. They report at what life stages. But this information doesn't make it back to the farmers in a fast enough manner. So what we've done is digitalize this process and shares this information to nearby sites so that they can see this information when a farmer submits it to the government almost immediately. Cool. And, and from a farmer's standpoint, what can they do if they know the sea lice are coming or they're you know, starting to be more prevalent? You know, what, what can a farmer do? Yeah. And this, that's where I think a lot of the innovation is happening is that, you know, as an industry, the salmon industry has identified that sea lice is an issue. And there are various tactics that a farm can choose to make happen. They can put in chemicals, they can put in feed additives, they can put in skirts, which essentially block the water flow into the farm. Um, they can even put in these cute little lump fish that actually eat lice. So a farmer has at their disposal many different decisions to make when they've detected an actual issue or if they want to prevent an actual issue. Um, and what we're trying to do is give them more information so they can make not only the best decision from a cost point of view, from but also from an environmental point of view. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if they have the data, they can kind of know the effectiveness of all those techniques and, and maybe make better decisions on which ones to use and when. Uh, so you mentioned salmon farmers, and I think that was a great example with the sea lice. And actually, I, I watched your pitch at Hatch um, uh, oh, great. demo day, and so I got to see the pictures of the sea lice on the salmon, and it definitely is is compelling. I mean, you could tell it's it's a real um, real issue. One other thing I found interesting about your talk there was um, you took a camping trip to get customer feedback, which just sounds awesome on multiple levels. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely an extremely enjoyable experience. It was, it was the best office view I could possibly ask for, just sitting in a tent writing code. Um, but the reason that we went for it was, you know, I, I think for our team, we really needed to get an understanding of, of what these farmers do, what their lives were, and what their businesses meant to their community. Um, what we've learned going to Norway is that, you know, the salmon has been an industry that's been around for many decades and it's gone through many ebbs and flows. And, you know, there's some of these guys that were the first ones to throw some fish in a net in their backyard who started this entire industry. And we really wanted to get their story of what salmon meant to the country. Yeah, so we, we decided that in order to really engage with the farmers appropriately, we needed to be in their environment and we needed, needed to show that we really cared about the work that they were doing. Norway's also got this great policy where, where you can camp anywhere. Um, private property, as long as you are about 100 meters away from any house, you can camp anywhere. So um, my co-founder, John, and I decided that you know, we could just take a road trip, visit these farmers that are located in very remote places of the country, and really hear their stories. Uh, I'm sure there's people listening that, that uh, don't really have a good uh, picture in their mind of what ocean salmon farming looks like. Um, is it kind of the big round nets uh, in most cases? Or it, tell us kind of about your customer, uh, what, what their operation might look like. Absolutely, yeah. So when it comes to salmon, it is mostly farmed in big, large nets. Um, and the analogy that, that we have is, you know, these nets can basically fit a seven Boeing, a Boeing 747. These are huge nets. 
Um, and it, when it comes to most of salmon farming, almost all of it has been mechanized and fairly standardized. No matter whether you're looking at a salmon farm in Canada, Chile, or Tasmania, or even Norway, they're all the same. They're all about the same size. They all utilize the same equipment. Um, so it's a very modern form of farming when you think about it. it one, one thing I love about, you know, customer validation, especially uh, with a farmer customer is, when you can when you can accurately pinpoint that the, the pain point that they have and they just kind of like it, they just seem to kind of light up when you're like yes if 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 you could solve this for me you know i would that would be amazing uh what did you find as far as the pain point that gets them most excited about your solution i think the one pain point that that farmers have from the ones that we've talked to really has been on reporting and data um, you know, these farmers are very familiar with technology. They've had sensors, they have cameras, they've had dashboards and data entry software for the last 20 years, particularly in Norway. Um, but even with all of this, there's still a lot of inefficient operations. Um, what we've noticed is that because these farms are in remote areas and labor is hard to come by, having people do a lot of paperwork is not something these, these farms are really interested in. Um, they're not huge teams. And they really want to spend most of their time focused on their crop, focused on the fish, not necessarily sitting in an office doing a lot of paperwork. So what we've noticed is the ability to digitalize and automate a lot of these processes is something that really made our farmers light up. And going back to uh, what we were talking about earlier about how, like you kind of making the transition into uh, an aquaculture startup. Um, when did you realize like this is a problem we're solving? Um, I think it really came over time. So our journey, we actually started our company working with oyster farms in the Chesapeake Bay. It was just building them websites and digital tools to help make their 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 lives a little bit easier and to help them scale their operations. Um, but I think when, what really clicked was you know, starting with oysters, we started looking into other aquaculture practices, whether it was shrimp or salmon or additional shellfish. We just, we identified that this was an industry that was absolutely exploding. Just over this last year, um, I think half of our, our, our world seafood consumption um, has been supplied by aquaculture farmed fish, and this trend seems to continue to grow. So once we really got an idea of how big the market was, we noticed that how big of a problem this could really become. Uh, tell us about about Hatch. Um, uh, this series is on accelerating ag tech, so we're talking only exciting startups like like yourselves, but also the the accelerator programs that are helping them make successful. So, uh, for 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 those who have never heard of Hatch, kind of a, can you explain it in a nutshell? Yeah. So. Hatch is a startup accelerator focused on aquaculture. Um, their mission has been to accelerate the industry. In order to make that happen, they've brought in startups from all over the world into various aquaculture hubs to try to accelerate their businesses. And, and why was it important for you to pursue an accelerator that was aquaculture specific? For us, that was the biggest missing piece. Um, we, John and I always had this grand vision of how we could help aquaculture. We started working with, you know, the aquaculture markets that we had access to, which was oyster farms that we could just visit on the coastline. But we always knew that in order to solve the problem, we needed to access a larger market. Uh, oysters wasn't going to be the, the major market that we could, we could really scale a tech business up in. So we always knew that we needed to go into finfish or shrimps. Um, and Hatch gave us that opportunity. So uh, tell tell us about uh, Manolin's 
development. What what did it look like before Hatch and, and then kind of since you, you've been through the program at Hatch? Yeah, so Hatch has really accelerated the work that we could do. Um, one, you know, they enabled John and I to work full-time on this idea. We previously held our, our full-time jobs while working with the oyster farmers. Um, but they've also been able to introduce us to the right ecosystem. So being in Bergen, Norway, where all of the salmon companies are headquartered and a lot of feed companies are headquartered there as well, um, we were really dropped into the innovation hub of aquaculture. Um, that in itself really helped accelerate our business from making connections and introductions and even finding clients. Very cool. Uh, and and is, is Norway, uh, I mean, you're an American company. Uh, you decided to pursue an accelerator program in Norway. Uh, talk to us about that and what what sort of benefits and or challenges came with that. Yeah, so, so there are definitely both challenges and um, challenges and benefits from being a U.S. company. Um, from the challenging side, you know, it was really hard for us to showcase that we knew the industry. It was hard for us to showcase that we had some sort of insight um, and really could prove that type of validation. On the other side, you know, jumping in, they were very interested to see why two computer science guys from the States would come all the way to Norway to try to build a business. Why are you moving halfway around the world to try to come to this little city? Um, and, and what was the kind of the actual reasoning there? So yeah, I think it gave us this ability that, that, you know, they saw us as foreigners and they really wanted to hear our story. Um, they were willing to share a lot of information. And from our side, um, to overcome some of these challenges, we really needed to try to stay as humble as possible and learn as much as we could from everyone who's been in the industry for a long time. Uh, and what advice would you give to other startups that, that are considering accelerator programs, especially those programs outside of the country? I think it's really important to know what the value of the accelerator is going to be for you. Um, when, when you're thinking about funding and that's at the top of minds of many startups, um, I, I don't think that's the most important, most important aspect when, when you're in these early stages. It's really trying to be in the right environment so that you can learn a lot, both from the people in the accelerator as well as from the ecosystem they're going to drop you into. And from what I've noticed um, going through Hatch, we've been involved with a lot of international teams and a lot of international kind of startup organizations. Um, and it seems like every single one is something unique to offer. When you're dropped into a different country, a different culture, things operate a little bit differently. And you need to, as a startup, need to find how to leverage that. But really, you know, if you're considering doing it, finding the value you can gain as a company from it. Great. And I'm, I'm sure you've, you've probably heard before someone say, wow, I mean, in, you know, there's so much demand for a computer scientist. And I know you've done some interesting things with machine learning and, and, and uh, in that field, which is obviously booming. Um, why so passionate about aquaculture? I know you mentioned the, you know, always loved the oceans and intrigued by um, the oyster farming, but, but uh, just help us understand why we should be paying more attention to aquaculture. So I, I think um, from our perspective, there's a really big change happening in the oceans. And I almost, a, 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 the analogy I have is that it's another industrial revolution. And I think the world is starting to recognize that. Um, when you think about the oceans, you know, it started with industrial whaling and exploration, trying to discover new places. Um, we've then gone through you know, these phases in the ocean of really degrading it, you know, overfishing, overpollution. We're at a stage where there's an opportunity for regeneration in the ocean. 
Um, and what that really means is, you know, what do we as a society, as a community, as a globe, really want to put forth as the most important values when it talks about the ocean. And for me, I believe aquaculture's got a really big role to play in that, um, but that's in accordance with NGOs and governments and wildlife. Um, there isn't another industry out there where so much of this is connected and has such a big impact. Um, from our perspective, from a technology point of view and why this is such a big problem to solve, there's so much data out there. If we knew so much more about our oceans, there's a lot that we can do to help save our food systems, to help save our entire climate and environment. Um, and that's why I think this is such a big problem and something that's really interesting to be looking at. Excellent. And I, I find in every episode, I have to ask at least one probably really dumb question. So, so this is, this is hopefully my only really dumb question here, but um, you, you took this camping trip to collect customer feedback throughout Norway. Um, did, did all the farmers that you spoke with speak English or did you have to bring along a translator as well? No, I, I actually think that's a great question and something that, that ended up being an advantage for us. Um, Norway, in general, most people can speak English. When you talk about the, the younger generation, they speak pretty much fluid English. Um, so we definitely had a little bit of challenge when it came to some of the farmers in very, very remote areas. Um, it, we didn't need to bring a translator. We, couldn't, we could speak English with them. It was a little bit challenging. Um, but we were definitely able to communicate. So that was one of the actually surprising facts was, you know, going over there, it seemed like everybody and a lot of businesses conducted in English. Great. Uh, well, Tony, this has been super interesting. I, I uh, have not done, this is actually the first episode I've done in 120 uh, about aquaculture. And so I hope this is the first of many because I do think it's an exciting field and I do include it with agriculture. I don't know if everyone, if everyone does, but I, I certainly do. I mean, um, so I, I hope to do many more stories. Anything else that you could tell us knowing kind of like this is an audience that um, many of which are new to aquaculture. Anything else you could tell us that might be helpful about the future of the aquaculture industry? Absolutely. I, I think when you, I, I, I like that, that you talked about agriculture and bucketing aquaculture as part of it, because I think it really is. At the end of the day, we're talking about food systems. We're talking about how do we supply the world with the future of, of our growing population and how, how are we going to be able to feed them? Um, I believe aquaculture has got a big role to play in that. And from the way that we are building our business and the way that we look at it, we pull a lot of things from agriculture. There's a lot of ties as far as whether you're talking about feeding or the way operations are done or just the types of people and culture that gets involved into the industry. There's a lot of similarities. Um, so I, I encourage everyone who's in the agriculture business to look a little bit more into aquaculture as well, because I think much of what people have their experience working um, just in the food sector could really help. Great. One question I forgot to ask as well, Tony, is uh, yeah. the, the, the user experience standpoint. So is, is this an app and uh, what data needs to be manually entered into the system and, and how does kind of the interface work? Yeah, so what we've built is, is an online dashboard and it really is focused on analytics. So we provide our farmers with graphs and insights and data they can explore. And as far as how we get a lot of this data, right now we're not asking our farmers to, to enter in anything at all. What we're really trying to do is integrate and aggregate a lot of data sources. This could be private data from their production data on the farm or publicly available data sets from the government. And what we're doing is we're aggregating a lot of this information and then providing insights that a farmer can make decisions based off of. 
Great. And do you see in the future uh, Manolin being for not only ocean farmers, but also for uh, freshwater farmers as well? Yeah, that's definitely a direction that we'd like to go. Um, our focus is definitely right now uh, focused in the open ocean, um, but we could see our technology being applied towards freshwater aquaculture as well. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, Tony Chen, co-founder of Manolin, uh, exciting aquaculture startup dealing with data and health of our uh, farmed fish out there. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Tony and stay tuned for a future follow up Friday with that hatch accelerator, which is the Norway based accelerator. And in fact, I think they're expanding into other countries that focuses exclusively on aquaculture. Hey, we've got another iTunes review to read you to you here. And in full disclosure, I'm pretty sure this is a friend of mine, uh, BHH, who, who dropped this uh review off, but I will say I did not ask him specifically to do this, but I do love the title. Uh, the title is Better Than College. This podcast is absolutely fantastic. I am confident I have learned more about agriculture through this podcast than I did in four years of college. Great job, Tim. Hey, thank you, BHH, and appreciate all of you who have taken a few minutes to leave a rating and review on iTunes for this show. It does help spread the word and give it some validation when other people are looking for uh, agricultural content that they can trust. So really appreciate you doing that. Um, I also hope you've taken some time to check out Stories from the Soil. If you listened last week, you heard uh, a brief bit about that program. Uh, you can do so at storiesfromthesoil.com. Thanks so much, but we are going to continue on with Accelerating Ag Tech, and we'll be back next week with a really interesting startup, a concept that I uh, had never heard of. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.